This is the Horse Radio Network. You're listening to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten, and I spent over 35 years coaching collegiate equestrian teams. Podcast host Sally Batten is booking clinics and would love to travel to your barn. Sally brings a wealth of knowledge to help every rider from beginners to accomplished athletes. Her positive, upbeat teaching style will help all riders improve, and she brings along her teaching tools to help fix bad habits. Sally teaches both on the flat and over fences, is a certified polo cross coach, and has recently started teaching clinics in exercise, which is aerobics on horseback. Contact her today to book your clinic at athleticequestrian at gmail.com. That's athleticequestrian at gmail.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten, and I've been interviewing collegiate coaches and organizations and riders. And today I have a past rider that rode in the IHSA, which is the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, and that is Emma Goslin. And Emma was a competing member, president, and captain of the Worcester State University Club Equestrian Team, which is in Worcester, Massachusetts, from two uh, through to 2020. I'm not sure. When did you start? What? Uh, 2016. Okay, 2016 through 2020. Emma participated in the IHSA while earning an undergraduate degree in English and secondary education and showed as an adult amateur in the Hunters and Pleasure while earning her Master's of Education. So I'll be interested to hear what she's doing now. She hopes her experience with being a club athlete at a smaller school inspires other riders to pursue their riding goals in college, regardless of their background. And I was thrilled that Emma reached out to me. She um, obviously heard about my podcast somewhere and listened (laughs) to some. And she said that she wanted to talk about uh, coming from a smaller team and and how that works as far as the students. So welcome, Emma. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's let's start. We want to get to all the nuts and bolts of how you decided where to go and your college search and then in life on the team. But let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about how you started riding and where and where you grew up and um, just kind of give us all the details. Yeah. um, So I grew up in Massachusetts. I've lived in Methuen, Mass, uh, right on the New Hampshire border my whole life. Um, And I grew up next door to a girl about my age whose mom was super into horses. Um, Mom had a horse. And my next door neighbor and friend ended up leasing a pony when we were really young. I think we were probably, I must've been seven or eight. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And so my parents were not horse people, had no interest in horses. Yeah. Um, But with my next door neighbor, we were always playing with Briar models and watching the saddle club. and, (laughs) And I would go to the barn with them and help do stalls. And I started liking it more and more. So Right before my eighth birthday, my parents kind of reluctantly signed me up for some riding lessons. Um, 
And I think they thought it was just going to be a phase like I would grow out of in six months to a year. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't for them. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Right, right. But I, I started riding at a super small local barn um, just a couple miles away from my house. And she had a bunch of really nice Appaloosa um, Western horses. But I'd toss an English saddle on them and take my lesson once a week. And I learned all the basics there. Um, and from there, I ended up at kind of a bigger lesson barn um, that did eventing. So I learned how to jump there. And then by the time I was in high school, I ended up at a barn that had um, quarter horses. So I ended up doing some of the stock seat riding and um, like the hunter under saddle and equitation wow. in the quarter horse world. Yeah. <laughs> all, a little bit of everything, huh? I've, I've done it all. Yeah. <laughs> and did you compete in high um, school? So- yeah. So growing up, I didn't really compete. Um, it started out being just because I loved the horses and wanted to be around them. And when I was at the, um, eventing barn, I did a couple of schooling jumper shows that were on their saintly school ponies. And, and that was fun. And, um, in high school, I did a couple of the local pleasure shows with the quarter horses, but I've always been an anxious rider and I was always nervous about, um, wasting my family's my non-horsey family's day at wow. a horse show sitting yeah. around watching me um just for me to forget my pattern or come in yeah. dead last pick up the wrong lead all that stuff um but yeah i i didn't really compete and then college had that opportunity and i took it so so you were you were nervous only to compete it's not that you had an accident and you were nervous right yeah now. no i never had an accident was never nervous um i just put a lot of pressure on myself to show and show well. And it didn't always turn out the best for me. It was kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy of, oh, I'm going to mess something up. And then I would. Um, and I think part of that was because I, I wasn't sure my experience with showing was so little that I would just get myself worked up and nervous and then something would go wrong. And I'd be like, oh, this is why I don't do it. So, <laughs> you know, that that's interesting because I took piano lessons when I was younger probably from age like eight to, I don't know, 14 or something. But that as part of one piano teacher's um, program, you had to do these recitals. And I did a couple and I hated it. And, you know, in other aspects of my life, I've been very competitive and I've done lots of competition, but I switched teachers and found one where I didn't have to compete. So I, I can identify yeah, it wasn't that I hated competing. Uh, not, I liked the idea compete. of it. Yeah, yeah, do the recitals. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I didn't hate the idea of competing. I really liked that idea, but it was the actual, right. okay, now it's time to put it all together and get in the show ring. That freaked me out. So. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay, so then you are in high school and you're doing your college search. Did you know what you wanted to go into and where did you look and how did you settle on Worcester State? Yeah. So um, I knew going into college that I wanted to teach. I originally wanted to teach um, severe special education. And then as I was getting closer to college, tossed it around a little bit and decided I wanted to go um, with English, high school English um, teaching. So when I was looking for colleges, I was more focused on finding a place that would provide me with all the teaching skills. I knew regardless of if I went to a school with a team or not, I would end up with horses in my life somehow. Um, but first and foremost, I was like, okay, I need to find a place that I can get a good education degree so I can become a teacher. Right. Um, and at that time, I kind of had a little bit 
of a struggle with my confidence in my writing. I didn't know what I just say was. So in my brain, I had to be, you know, coming out of the junior Eck ring or right. out of the meter 20 jumpers right. in order to ride in college. And that wasn't my background. Um, but I didn't know how inclusive the IHSA was when I started looking. Um, so when I started looking at schools, I was looking at, I think I ended up applying to 10 or so schools. And out of those 10, I think only four of them had teams, um, mm. Worcester state included. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't one of those things that was making or breaking my decision, but it definitely helped in my decision. Bonus. Yeah. Yes. So my top three schools, um, University of Vermont had a team, Roger Williams had a team and Worcester State had a team. Okay. Um, and it kind of, when I was making my decision, um, they all offered the programs I wanted and it kind of came down to, do I want to be part of a really big team or do I want to be part of a smaller team? Um, and balancing classes with riding, I wasn't sure how much time I was going to be able to spend um, practicing at first. So I, I kind of went on the more conservative side with a, sm- a team that was a little smaller. Um, and it seemed like a little less high risk than joining one of those really, really big schools teams. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so then, then what you get to, to Worcester state, how big is that school? Um, so Worcester students? state has about 1200 students that live on campus. Oh, and then, yeah, so it's pretty small. Yeah. Um, and then, another three to 4,000, um, commuter students. Wow. Yeah. So very commuter heavy school. Um, and a, most of the girls on my team were commuters. None of them lived on campus. So, what, what, how about you? What'd you do? Um, I lived on campus all four years. I was actually an RA. Oh, so, okay. So I got the, you know, the housing taken care of, but, um, came with a, a decent amount of work on top of it. So, right. Right. (laughs) Okay. So, so it's a smaller school, you're living on campus and then how, how do you find out about the team and, or, you know, you can also mix all this in with how you did it. So how you found out about the team when you were a first year, but then talk about how, you know, once you were captain and president, um, you can talk about how you did things. So talk about tryouts, talk about all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I first found out about the team when I was looking at schools, you know, I wanted to be, I knew I wanted to be involved. Um, but I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to be involved in whatever college I chose. So part of my search was kind of looking at what they offered for clubs and activities and stuff like that. Um, so I saw that the equestrian team was an option. Um, and I found them on Facebook, um, and sent them my contact information for the fall. I was like, I want to join, send me uh, more information. We ended up having like a little meet and greet the first couple weeks, weeks of school. Um, and then from there, it was kind of, you know, I was, I was ready to do it and ready to give it a try. Um, but from the captain's perspective, um, when I first started my first year, we only had, oh boy, eight or nine people on the team. Um, which was tough. We were going up against some really big schools with big teams. So when you only have eight or nine riders compared to a team with 40 riders, sometimes it's uh, a little tricky to stay up near the top. Um, So as a captain, my biggest challenge, I would say, was trying to get the word out that, hey, we have this team, you should come join it. Um, So I did a lot of increasing our social media presence. So I um, took over the Facebook, we joined Instagram, Um, I ended up working really closely with the student affairs office and the student, um, 
student development office. So that was like the place that ran all of our clubs and um, definitely got the word out that way just by talking to people, word of mouth. And a lot of times I'd talk to people and be like, oh, I'm on the equestrian team. And they'd be like, oh, I didn't even know we had it. Yeah. Uh, Where do they keep the horses? So um, that was definitely a big challenge. Right. Where, where do, where did the team ride? Yeah. So we rode out of uh, Maplewood farm in Berlin. So about a half hour off campus. Yep. Yeah. With Tamara Johnston. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. I I know her through the, um, through IEA and she has, um, (laughs) I run the AEL and I think she's provided some horses at different AEL competitions. So she was oh, a, a really supportive coach. Um, I really liked working with her. Yeah. She, she taught me a lot and she was, she was great to work, work with. So, yeah. And they have a lot of horses, right? Yeah. She, um, she's always had a good number of horses, which was nice when we were hosting shows and, right. you know, traveling everywhere we could bring a couple with us. So, so did you have to try out? Um, so we had tryouts. They weren't, it was a no cut kind of deal. So as long as you went to tryouts and and did your best, um, Tam would watch us ride, the captains would watch us ride and would kind of divide us up into where they thought worked best for us. And based on if anybody had a show record, um, or a USEF record, figure out which, um, class we would go in. So I remember though, I, was so, so, so close to backing out and not going to tryouts, um, because I was so nervous and like convincing myself that I was going to fall off and be that person to eat dirt during tryouts. And you know what? The next morning I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it. And someone from off campus was coming to pick me up. So I couldn't text her and be like, Hey, just kidding. Don't come get me. Um, and (laughs) (laughs) so, so I ended up going and I rode this awesome, warm blood Pete who he's still there. He does it all. He's a great, great guy. And he just kind of, he knew his job. I, I was nervous and I got up there and he just kind of seemed to be like, all right, kid, just sit there, hang on. I got this. And it was actually, um, a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't fall off and eat dirt. So that was good. (laughs) So, So, um, what, what level did you enter into? Yeah. So I entered into walk, trot, canner, which right. is now novice. I think yes. they redid yep. all of them. Um, yep. So I started in walk, trot, canner. Okay. And so the, the, let's talk about club sports a little bit since, yeah. since that's kind of your niche and, and what you wanted to talk about and what I wanted to talk, ask you questions about. So I've heard different things from different clubs because I seem to remember when um, Dartmouth was in the same region as UVM, and I thought that they said that they couldn't have any kind of cuts or that they had to take anybody. But then I've on these podcasts, I've been talking to other teams that say, even though they're club, they are selective. So is it just different schools have different policies? I think it is. Um, I think it really depends on the school. We never were in a position that we had to make cuts um, and we wanted to keep growing the team, obviously. Right. So, so we, we took everybody. Um, okay. We had students who had ridden for years and did the juniors and were looking for something else to do. And then we had people who had never ridden before. Um, so we were really fortunate in the fact that anybody who wanted to could be on the team. And, and what like who did you, so there's somebody that's in charge of club sports. So there's a club sports office at every school. So listeners, if you're trying to find out information, 
and you can't get a hold of a coach, you can go to either the athletics department or the club sports office. Although there are many times, even at Dartmouth, where we were division one varsity, sometimes people would go to admissions and the student tour guide would be like, uh, I don't really know, you know, if there's an equestrian team. Yeah. So I know, I know that, that some schools you can run into that, but, um, uh, my question is actually how, how involved did you have to go to meetings? What did you have to do as far as running the team? Yeah. So, um, as a student leader, my responsibilities, um, were making everything work. So, um, when I started, we, the school has a budget for each club sports team, um, for every club and student organization, there's a budget. So our budget started at roughly my freshman year, I believe it was under $10,000 and that was to pay entry fees. That was to pay coaching fees. That was to pay for our home show. Um, and for lessons, we were responsible for paying for those as students, okay. but, um, all of the other competition side of fees was taken care of by the school. Nice. Um, and it was really nice, but it's also really tricky to grow a team when your budget is small. Um, so every year in the spring, we had a budget hearing where we would sit in front of the student government um, and ask for a certain increase in how much money our team had for the year. Um, so I believe we were able to ask for up to 20% every year. And the first three years I asked for the full 20%. Um, so I was an English major and math was not my strong suit, but for weeks leading up to the budget hearing, I had to make sure I had all the numbers, right. Yeah. Make sure we were putting money in certain places where we needed it. Right. Um, and then of course, coming up with that explanation to explain to a whole group of people who don't know anything about horses or yeah. how I just say works, why we need the money. Um, that was really challenging, but it was also really good in building my self-advocacy skills. Yeah. Um, and knowing that, you know, when I left, I left the team with a budget that would be more sustainable for a bigger team. Right. Great life lessons, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and on top of that side, the budget side, I was also in charge of any paperwork we had to do. So things for fundraising or um, sending checks to pay for shows, sending them to our coach. Um, I also helped with the behind the scenes stuff. So getting entries set for shows, making sure everybody knew what the plan was for show day, um, things like that. Just the little behind the scenes pieces that you don't really think about. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it's kind of obvious, but you didn't recruit for the team because it's a club. Right. And yeah. And you didn't have scholarships, but in general, like, do you, do you know anything about financial aid at Worcester state? Is it pretty helpful? Um, yeah, yeah. For the most part, I don't know a whole lot about it, Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I do know with having such a high number of students that were commuting, they were saving the money from not living on campus. Right. Most of them were still living at home with their family. True. Um, so, you know, that was always a good option for people. Um, but yeah, the, the financial aid side of things, I'm not hundred percent certain on. So, right. Right. And how, um, so you said you host horse shows, right? Yes. And did you co-host with another college or just you guys? Uh, no, it was just us. And, and what, which region and zone are you're in zone one, but which region, well, who are the other schools in your region? So I believe it was 
region. We were in region four at first with BU, BC, yeah, that's four. Yeah. Um, Tufts, all of them. Um, and then my junior year, we started in region three. So we were with Mount Holyoke, UMass, all of them. So halfway through, we switched regions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it just had to do with the way they were reorganizing and there were some new teams being created and some that were being shifted around. So we just ended up being one of the, one of the shifters. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that must've happened. I retired from Dartmouth in 2019. So that must've happened in after I was gone because we weren't Dartmouth wasn't in that region, but I was usually part of the zone one stuff. So that, that, they must have reorganized for numbers or host shows. Yeah, for whatever reason, um, yeah. we did end up getting moved. But, you know, it, we were in that weird section in the middle of Massachusetts where we weren't super close to the Boston schools and right. we weren't super close to the Western Mass schools. So it was fine. We were driving like an hour to each show, regardless yeah. of where we were going. So Well, and yeah. isn't that great? You know, I've interviewed some of the teams in the Midwest and the West, and they they travel eight hours or, I, yeah, you know, I couldn't imagine have, have four shows in a weekend because it's such great distances. So yeah. we're pretty lucky oh. here in the uh, New England area. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So then um, talk a little bit about first off, how many students were on the team by the time you graduated? Um, by the time I graduated, we had, I believe, close to 15 or 16 on the team. So you you doubled. Yeah, pretty much. Um, We had some people who weren't super interested in competing. So they were taking lessons and kind of preparing, okay, maybe next year I'll show. Um, But, you know, for the most part, we had the same group of people went to every show um, and everybody got to show every single time, which was really nice. I know some of the bigger schools, they have to limit how many people show because of numbers or because of budgets. Um, But the way our budget was set up, everybody was able to show, which was oh, nice. that's great. That's yeah. great. So then you graduate and you went straight into getting your master's or did you get I a did. job or um, what? So I graduated in the midst of COVID. Nice. <laughs> so that was, I was 2020. Um, and my graduation would have been on Saturday and I started grad school Monday night. So I had a full like 36 hours or 48 hours oh. between gradu- graduating oh. and starting grad school. Wow. Did you go on vacation? What'd you do? Oh, yeah. It was wild. Hours. Those wild two days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I knew I'm one of those people that if I didn't stick with it and get my yeah. master's right away, I wasn't going to want to go back. Yeah. Um, and to teach high school, you need a master's degree. So yeah. might as well just get it out of the way is what I figured. Okay. So talk a little bit about, and you're working now. I am. Yeah. And what are you working? Um, so I'm, so I'm a high school special education teacher at an agricultural and technical high school. Um, so my job is right now is I work in the shops. I do a lot of um, push in and going into classes to work with the students. So lucky me, I get to see animals. We have a full barn of horses. We have oh. livestock. We have rodents and reptiles and birds, all that stuff right on campus, which is cool. So, so hold on. I, I got to talk about this for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the school called? What, what kind of technical, what'd you say? Agricultural? Yeah, so, um, agricultural and technical high school. I didn't so, even know that was such a thing. Like I've heard of vocational high schools. I've heard of technical high schools. Yeah. I have, I didn't even know that agri, I feel uh, like I've been missing out here. Yeah. There's not a ton of them in Massachusetts. I think 
only a few of the technical schools in Mass um, do have an agriculture program. But I just got lucky that I live near one of them. So, oh my gosh, yeah. So the the students are learning to work in a dairy farm or to work at a horse farm. Like, what are they? What are they specializing in, or or with yeah. what intent? What what um, will they do? Yeah. So our school has twenty four different, I believe, uh, twenty four different technical programs. So those range from dental hygiene to carpentry to um, machine manufacturing to engineering. Um, and then as far as the agriculture shops, we have an equine science program that prepares students to enter into some facet of the horse world. Um, we have a veterinary oh. science program, and then we have a companion animals program that works on like uh, grooming and training of companion animals. And you, so you can do that in high school. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I am so shocked, Emma, as you can see by my face and my words. This is fantastic. It, it It's really awesome. Um, it's a very well-known school in my area. And I actually en- almost ended up going there back when I was a student for whatever reason, decided not yeah. to. And I'm so lucky I get to work there now, but every day I go to work and I'm like, oh, I should have gone here. <laughs> wow. So, so they have their own horse barn? Yep. We have a horse barn with 14 horses, I believe, um, ranging from minis up to, you know, bigger draft size horses. We have a couple that drive all of them ride. So it's really cool, um, to just walk, you walk through the parking lot and you see horses going for a walk around the building with students. It's really awesome. Oh my gosh. Where is this located? Um, it's in Danvers, Mass. Danvers, Mass. Yeah. Yeah. So it used to be um, Essex Agricultural High School, but now it, they've merged with the local tech school. So it's um, Essex North Shore Agricultural and Technical School. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now that I'm over my shock, I can ask you some more questions. Yeah. So how did your experience both competing on the team and running the team, how did that help you in your master's program and especially now in your work life? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest piece of getting me through school was knowing that I had the, the barn to go to is kind of my escape. And that was both for my undergrad and for my master's degree. Um, when I was juggling classes, I, I always had it in the back of my head. Okay. If you finish this paper, great. You get to go to the barn early. Or, um, I just knew like if I was having a really tough week, Maybe I didn't do as well on a test as I'd hoped. I knew I was going to the barn on Thursday. So it, it, it kind of got me through. Um, I definitely think that my, you know, my leadership improved a lot and my ability to work with people who um, aren't the same as me right. really, really improved. Um, and there was a lot of trying to understand, you know, the horse, everybody in the horse world knows each other um, and kind of being an outsider to that and having that gap between, okay, I ride, but I'm not competing. And I don't know a lot of these trainers and I don't know a lot of these people. Um, it just kind of, it helped me grow in, in ways that I didn't even know that, um, that I could. And I got to meet so many new people and learn so many different people's experiences with riding and with the horse world that it really opened up a lot of doors and being able to to make those meaningful connections with people. Right. That's awesome. And, and 
uh, obviously your your budgeting skills that we talked about earlier and yeah. you know practical real life <laughs> real life things right yeah my mom's a financial educator so my budgeting skills have always been oh. decent, but with with a bigger budget um and more money and it's not my money it's someone else's money so trying to figure right. all that out but <laughs> yeah yeah and and being fiscally responsible you know a lot of a lot of classes i think a lot of high schools are missing out and not teaching students how to manage their money. You know, it, it used to be um, balance their checkbook. That's not exactly right. <laughs> uh, your, your age. My own children don't even have checkbooks, but, um, you know, just uh, the whole world of debit and credit and and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you know, you yeah started- I definitely learned a lot of money skills. I yeah, I learned the money skills, but I also learned the negotiation skills. Um, yeah. And not that I need them much in my career, but if I ever decide I want to do business, um, I I kind of know how to figure out the best way to negotiate things. So well, and and that's a skill, right? Persuasive yeah. talking without being obnoxious, right? <laughs> you know, and 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 getting your point across and being a strong, capable woman. But, uh, you know, just kind of knowing how to how to walk that line um, and be able to do all that stuff. Those are incredible life skills that that I, for instance, use in all aspects of my life, not just my work. Yeah. 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 I I, uh, thought I was riding in college and instead I gained a whole bunch of a whole bunch of new skills that I don't know if I would have gained if I didn't get involved with the team whole bunch of life skills. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great. So in our last few minutes here, I'm going to talk a little bit about what you like to do besides work. Are you still riding? Tell, tell me what's what's going on in your yeah, life. So um, right when I graduated, obviously because of COVID, nothing was open. I, was, I didn't have a job. Um, I was pretty much just doing my grad classes throughout that summer. Um, so I went back to the quarter horse world and was doing some quarter horsey things again for a little while um, and then dabbled in some amateur hunters act pleasure, all that stuff. Um, and then I took a little bit of a break once my grad classes picked up and I was working full time. Um, and then about a year ago, I found someone who has a nice little backyard barn and she keeps all of her retired um, equitation horses back there. So she has, I think, eight in her barn right now. Yeah. Um, so I'll go and give some of them exercise if they if they need a ride. Um, I've taken lessons a few times recently, but I'm kind of just trying to enjoy being around horses without putting the pressure on myself to compete for now. So right. um, I'm really enjoying that though. It's It's nice to instead of focusing on how, how I'm riding and how it's going to turn out this weekend at the show, um, I'm taking them out and walking through the fields and through the backyard and everything. So, um, it's, it's a nice change of pace. Um, other than that, I, I work a lot. I mean, I, (laughs) I'm a teacher, so there's a lot of planning involved in that, but, um, I just took up kickboxing (laughs) a couple months ago, um, which I really like. It's interesting though, because it's not competitive at all and it's not a team sport. It's just you punching things. 
Um, and I wasn't sure I was going to like it. And I actually ended up really liking it. And then another big hobby is I shop a lot. I go to Target, (laughs) Marshall's, like I count that as a hobby at this point because I am always shopping. So (laughs) you're a, you're a bargain shopper as they say in Boston. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Where's your, where's your uh, Massachusetts accent? Uh, I don't really have one. No, you don't. <laughs> I, I grew up a half hour north of Boston, but I don't I don't have an accent. So do your parents? Um, my dad does a little bit, yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that's really, you know, I, I had a, a student at Dartmouth who um grew up in California, but both of her parents were British. So she has a British accent. Huh. Yeah. That is so, so you, I think I think you kind of do what your what your parents do. So yeah. 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 Someone in college one time was like, where are you from? I was like, Methuen. And she goes, you have a New Hampshire accent. I was like, what does that even mean? There's no New Hampshire accent. Yeah. But I don't think you do. Yeah. I don't think I do either. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Southern New Hampshire is similar to Boston, but it's calmed down a little bit. It's not yeah. quite so. Cat, not as harsh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Emma. This has been uh, wonderful to hear about your experiences on a club sport. Awesome to hear about the agricultural high school. Now, I I, I love it. I feel like I learned something new. So thank yeah, you so much. You thank of you course, so much anytime. for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Athletic Equestrian Podcast. If you'd like more information on this podcast or any of our other podcasts, you can contact me at athleticequestrian at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by Jack Boyatop, and the music is by Kitchener.